You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ha! Got him! That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The engines are primed and coordinates for the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans. Welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on all the cool and exciting things happening in the Star Wars universe. We are back after a longer than planned hiatus, but it's good to be back talking Star Wars with you guys again. Somehow, Star Wars The Saga Continues returned, uh, but here we are again. As <laughs> always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-hosts, Tim and Paul, back with me. How's it going, guys? What's up, Kyle? What's up, Paul? So good to be back after, as you said, kind of a long break and back with all three of us again, which has felt even longer. So it's just good to not only be recording, but just be recording with the whole band back together. So looking forward to it. Yes, Tim. Yes, I'm very, 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 very happy to be back. We had a, a longer than a typical kind of time, I would say, to uh, to get back here and talk about Star Wars. It just kind of Kind of got crazy there, but we're back and we've got some interesting tidbits, some a pretty big piece of news to talk about, some other interesting kind of rumors and whatnot. And just kind of Star Wars is in, a, is in a very, I wouldn't say a bad place or or even like an amazing place, but it's in an interesting place. I you know I feel like it's not it's it's doing better than I think people probably would, would like to admit for those who like to try to profit off hating things. Um, and uh, you know, it's probably not doing amazingly well, but it's it's in a it's in a really interesting state right now. We'll get to that reason. I think one of the reasons why here in a second. Yeah, well, and I mean Disney's in an interesting state right now. The whole industry's in yes, an interesting state fair. right now. So we'll get into talking about some of that stuff. Obviously, I mean the last time we all recorded, and it wasn't it wasn't even the last time we all recorded together because I don't think all three of us were on this episode. But you know we haven't uh, recorded since Ahsoka ended. Um, and we've been going pretty consistent all year recording every other week. And then with Ahsoka, we were doing every week. And so that, you know, got kind of hectic going, uh, you know, back to back to back like that. Um, which I know a lot of podcasts do that, but you know, we like to space it out a little bit more. Plus I think our typical episodes are going longer than most people's. Um, so sometimes it's nice to take a little bit of a break after that. I think we did that with Mando earlier this year too, but, um, yeah, wasn't planning on going on a, a two month hiatus, but you know, there wasn't a whole lot of news in the interim, especially because you know, we haven't really heard much on uh, you know, what we thought was going to be a, another upcoming Star Wars show, um, coming up after Ahsoka. So it's been a bit of a lull, but we've had some news, we've had some, some articles and some announcements and things that we're going to talk about. Um, obviously it is nice that we can now say that, uh, the strikes are over the writer strike and the actor strike are both over. 
Um, the writer strike's been over for a while now, and then uh, you know they they came to an agreement on the actor strike too. So now it seems like you know they're kind of getting the wheels turning again and getting back to work and uh, you know getting getting some of these productions going. But also because those were going on for so long, a lot of stuff's been delayed. Um, and we don't really have any, uh, we don't have any officially updated, um, release dates yet. Um, but, uh, you know, some, just some rumors and things on things that have been pushed back. I mean, it's safe to say at this point, uh, Skeleton Crew is not coming out by the end of this year as was, uh, you know, initially thought. And I don't think that was, I was even still holding out hope we get a surprise drop of it before the year's <laughs> just on Christmas day. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, if anything, if anything, I'm hoping we get a surprise drop on Christmas of, uh, Disney gallery for Ahsoka because we haven't heard yes. anything about that yet. And now that the strike is over and they can talk about it, I'm itching for some, behind the scenes content and uh, we need that because all the little glimpses we're getting of the behind the scenes stuff that the actors have been posting just looks so good i just want to see a whole hour long documentary of all that stuff with everyone talking about it like especially for that series i need a disney gallery i need an art book and i need them yesterday um but yeah they've been posting a lot of stuff on social media the actors have been talking about it they've been posting pictures and video clips and stuff and it looks like everybody just had a ton of fun and that it was you know that that set and that atmosphere was as special as you would hope it would be for that show um they also released a a big article talking about the show in vanity fair um kind of going behind the scenes a little bit they talked to you know they've got quotes from hayden christensen rosario dawson dave filoni uh you know, talking about the the behind the scenes process of making the show, um, talking, you know, they spend a good chunk of here talking about Anakin and Darth Vader and what it was like for Hayden Christensen coming back. And there's a lot of cool stuff there. Um, The big takeaway from this article, though, that they announced right at the beginning um, is that Dave Filoni has now been promoted to uh, chief creative officer at Lucasfilm, um, where he is now in a role where he is, uh, you know, sort of giving more more input on, uh, you know, the different stories and stuff that they're making. Um, and just, you know, the way that he described it in the article, it's like, you know, he's not necessarily everybody's boss. Like, he still reports to Kathleen Kennedy, and he's not overseeing every project and telling everybody what to do. Um, but, you know, he kind of talked about how, like, he's been doing this for a while, and we've heard them talk about this on different projects. Where I mean, Kathleen Kennedy, I think, even said recently, that like she's like well, I run everything by Dave, you know all these Star Wars things that we're doing. Like I always want to get his input on it because he, you know, has been doing this for so long and worked with George Lucas and everything. Um, but sometimes that would happen later in the process, or it would kind of be an unofficial thing. Uh, but now it's like kind of all these new story ideas that they're originating kind of all go through Dave at the beginning of the process. And he said he's, you know, he's going to be involved in everything much earlier on. Um, and just kind of helping develop all these stories moving forward and giving people ideas and advice and kind of just imparting that Star Wars knowledge and wisdom that we know he has um, on all these, you know, filmmakers that are making all this new stuff. So it's, I think, exciting for a lot of people. I know there's been like a weird contingent of people that lately that have popped up that now suddenly like hate Dave Filoni and think everything needs to be like Andor and that Dave Filoni and John Favreau were like ruining Star Wars or something like that. I don't know. You can never please anybody these days. Um, but I'm pretty happy with it. And especially the fact that, you know, I, I know for a long time, a lot of people have been saying Dave Filoni should be running Lucasfilm and he should be in charge of the whole thing. And I've never wanted 
like I don't want him to have Kathleen Kennedy's job because he can't make Star mm -hmm. Wars and tell Star Wars stories if he's focused on running a billion dollar business. Um, but I think having him in this sort of overseer creative role where he's just like mentoring everybody and filtering all these Star Wars stories through the ideas that he has and the things that he learned from George and, uh, you know, just kind of all this stuff that, uh, you know, that he's been doing over these past like 15 years or however he's, however long he's been there now. Um, I think it's going to be a great idea. I think it's going to be a, hopefully a, a good thing for Star Wars moving forward. And I think it's going to be good to have some, um, you know, kind of some more unified vision of where all these stories are going. And it's not like everything is going to be, a Dave Filoni story now, but um, just, you know, having him have that, that sort of guidance over everything, I think um, should be a, a good thing for Star Wars going forward. So I don't know how are you guys feeling about it. Yeah, this was great news to get. I mean, first off, just getting the article of having Dave and the cast talk about Ahsoka finally, like, and the big moments too, from the first season of the series. So that was just great in itself. And then to get the news that Dave's been, promoted to the chief creative officer of Lucasfilm was just awesome to hear. And I think something a lot of us have been hoping for, but at the same time too, I think it's, as you were talking about Kyle, I think it's like a good balance um, between to where he could still be an active creative force with writing and directing series. And, but to be honest, there is still a part of me that is a little worried that he like not be able to do that quite as much as he used to in this new role, but he still will definitely be able to do that. Because like you said, we didn't want something where he's taking full control of Lucasfilm and just has to run all the business side of things and not do anything creatively. Like that's the last thing any of us would want. So um, hopefully this is like that nice balance to where he does um, be able to do stuff creatively, whether it's writing and directing new shows or movies. But still, I just think it's just so great that everything story related for star wars is going to go through him because uh, that should go through no one else <laughs> other than dave if someone's going to have that role and as he mentioned it is going to be like the main difference is that he's going to see these story ideas come to him early in development because he just mentioned how like he would do this before but it was kind of like late in the game where maybe if something had to be changed or he offered some advice i would kind of be too late to like put into effect any of those changes because um, he like either be on set already or things would be already filming and in production but now everything is going to go through him before um probably even scripts start to be written so it's like story pitches and everything like that he's all going to be involved with that and just impart his uh, unmatched star wars wisdom <laughs> to all those who are going to be uh, working on future star wars projects so it's just i think a great thing all the way around and just looking forward to see um kind of the start of a new era and what this new Star Wars story content is going to be with Dave as chief creative officer overseeing all these new stories that are um, hopefully many down the pipeline in the foreseeable future. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about it. I, you know, whatever I would say, like run Lucasfilm or whatever, I, I always meant like creatively. I never really meant like the day to day thing and, you know, or you know, just kind of running, like have everything kind of run, funnel through him in some way. And, he obviously this was a long time coming and it feels like it's been it took too long and i know that everyone loves dave filoni and you know how, and like everyone loved george lucas you know i mean like let's be real uh you know people still complain about the prequels and and he's the goat you know he's still the goat so you can't please everybody and, and star wars is a very very good example of how that or you know that's that's just reality right so 
I, I do think, I mean, we can get into it. We'll get the more deeper into this here in a second, but I think that this obviously is something that need, they needed to have happen because, you know, Kathleen Kennedy made a, I mean, I'm listen, I'm just going to say it. I've said, I've criticized her a lot on the show and I'm going to say it again. When she makes comments like we don't have books like George R. R. Martin does. And I know what she means by that, but the fact that she just ignores all this different stuff around her and just says like, I need to have these new people tell me what to do all the time. That's what I need. New people, new ideas. And like, I, there is, I know what she's saying, but she needs, and she's not saying that literally, obviously, but paraphrase it. And the thing is, is that the, you know, Kevin Feige, the reason why he's so successful, he's got source material. He knows how to funnel it through. And there is a system approach to what they do at Marvel. And I hate to put art in that set in that kind of idea, but Star Wars has, because of the fan base that we're all so conditioned to want to have the video games to connect with the comic books and the books and whatever. Not everyone does, but I'd say, would you guys agree that most people like that, right? They, most people want to have that all oh, be yeah. together. There is a, there's an expectation and there is a, uh, and because of that, you have to have the people up top really understand the products even more so than just being like, well, the movies are separate from the comic books, you know, like what Marvel obviously has. Star Wars doesn't really have that. So it even puts an even more of an emphasis of having the people on top really understand and not just a story group being like organizers. Right. And this is not to talk SH about them, but that's not their role. The role is they're, they're like they're they're just librarians essentially for Star Wars is what they are. And it's not a bad thing, but, you know, that's kind of what they are. And for the creative aspect, there needed to be some kind of thing there for them or for Star Wars and Lucasfilm because the way Kathleen was doing it was just kind of like, give me a good idea. That's great. And then it's like everyone's scrambling to figure out how to promote it, how to get tie-in material. And that goes for both JJ, Ryan Johnson to an extent, um, probably less Ryan Johnson. I'd say he played ball more than anybody on that stuff. You know, half of it's mediocre, but that's not his fault. Honestly, the, the, the last shit I tie in stuff. Yikes. Don't so go down there that rabbit hole right now, <laughs> dude. Canto bite. I was, you know, I'm doing the canon shelf right now. I looked at Canto bite, the the Canto bite book, and went, ugh. I saw the Rose Tico book, and went, ugh. You know, I mean, like, and don't get me wrong. Like the after, you know, before Rise of Skywalker, they had some of the really bad books too. It's like, ugh. You know, it's just like yikes. And I think, and I say all that because I think part of the issue is you have to acknowledge and understand that we want this ancillary material to 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 really make sense. And to give us something, you know, with it. Now, Ahsoka didn't have any ancillary material, but I also think that's just by design and just kind of it's a show and it's not it doesn't have the the most pizzazz with it as far as um, you know, it's Star Wars, but it doesn't have like a you know episode eight, seven, whatever, right? So um what I when my point with all this is that when you're in constructing these things, like for an Obi-Wan Kenobi miniseries comic book that came out around the show. You know, you might want to have someone on top really give a set of like, this is what we need to do and set the ground rules on the top. And I know like, you know, he's not setting stories and telling people what to do, but he's the one that it all comes through. And I think that's what we need. And I'm just maybe it's not going to be all books and comics and whatever. I don't I think everything is going to go through him. But a lot of the major stuff, I think, should start going through him and him going, yeah, what about this? What about that? You know, whatever. 
And I think it's going to be good in the long run, regardless, because there's going to be a clear vision that he can then set out for his other people um, that he has underneath him. And not, I don't mean like in a bad way, but like people that can go, hey, Dave, this is not really what, you know, Dave said Star Wars is, is like and start trading those people like he was trained by by George. Those people that are, you know can now go to the books and the comics and whatnot. So there's a more of a through line and a more of a unified story aspect because right now it's still kind of all over the place and i do feel that there is a value to that in some ways in some ways but i think more so than not we've seen the detriment of having people just kind of throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks for all the mediums we're talking movies tv shows uh comic books books whatever video games it's we really need to have a better narrative vision going forward that at least can understand the the franchise and they can construct that and push it and where it needs to go. And I don't think it's, there's anyone better out there than Dave Filoni um, being a, a parent of George Lucas. It just is tailor made for to star Wars that I think to really start thriving. And I really do think so. I think with Dave, after a couple of years of him in charge of like the, at least constructing the, or not constructing, but instructing the narrative from the top, and having that that power, I think it's going to really improve Star Wars storytelling overall. Because I I know the one thing I, I can say about Dave and people want, want to criticize his his script writing and whatever. And I'm going to say, you know what? I'll take bad dialogue over great themes and a great story. And I think Ahsoka had all those things. Was it always the best constructed mm-hmm. episodes? Maybe not. I don't think they were bad by any means. Um, and I, were the scripts really like super tight. Eh, maybe not. I didn't have a problem with them, but I guess I could, I can acknowledge where there may be some, like some flaws here or there. That being said, narratively wise, there's nothing touches Ahsoka. Like besides maybe Mando season one and two and like, but that's also Dave Filoni is a part of that. So, I mean, like, I mean, go figure. So <laughs> I, I do feel that this narratively going forward we'll have a lot more cohesiveness going forward together so we have less like i hate to say it andors and having the factions of like andor this is better because it's all about hard sci-fi and like having that crap and having less of that will always be there but less of that and having a more constructive cohesive unit that people can expect the star wars to have and I think Dave is only shown that when he's like he's a part of it, it's successful. Let's be real. I mean, Clone Wars, yeah. Rebels, Mandalorian, Ahsoka. I mean, I don't, I don't know the the final things for Ahsoka, but I don't think it's, it was a failure by any means. It was successful. And this is a you know a somewhat still unknown character of Star Wars. And I think people, I think honestly, in my opinion. One of the reasons why I did so well is because I had a good word of mouth from the Star Wars fans for the, for the most part. I, no, I agree. I will, there is a buzz around it that but, we kind of didn't have uh, since Mando season two, I would say. Exactly. Yeah. So I'll, I'll wrap this up and let you guys, you know, spew off my, my, my thoughts here. But, but yeah, I, I just feel that having that power that Dave will have now, finally, it's only going to make things more cohesive in the future it's not going to happen for a while he's he, he just he just got into it so it's going to be yeah. a couple of years before things really i think really have his i wouldn't say his imprint but like his instruction his instruction that's going to be crucial i think for these writers and directors going forward and i do hope and I, I i think that comics and books would be somewhat in there too i hope it's i hope it extends into that too because that's still important and we all know dave likes the books and the comics i mean you watch those Clone Wars stuff. He researched 
he liked that oh, stuff, yeah. you know, when, you know, so it's all there. It's, I'm not saying he loves everything. George, when someone would contradict an idea. George exactly. Would have, so mm-hmm. I, I think, I think he, but he also knows where the contradiction is, is worth it. Or there's not 100% on the money. Mm-hmm. Like tales of the Jedi is a big part of it. Bad batch is a big part of that, but I've got, I've gone on record. I nauseam about this. I think they do it the best way possible where it's not a complete wrecking crew like George would do, but it would be like in the vein, just, it's almost like a different perspective almost or a different, like someone telling a different story of that same thing. Cause all the beats are still there. Just the details are, are just different. So it's, it's interesting. Um, and I, am I'm, I'm, I'm for one ecstatic. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that, you know, sort of the first thing you brought up was the connected material in the books and the comics and stuff and him sort of overseeing those stories. I'd be interested to see how much input he actually has over that just because, I mean, everything they talk about in this article, I, I just, you know, was reading this as like pertaining to film and TV production. I'm, I'm um, sure it mostly is to be honest. I'm not saying he's yeah. like, like, you know, but I do think, but but honestly, he, he definitely could have some input over the other stuff as well. But like, yeah. I'm assuming that, you know, Bob Iger and Kathleen Kennedy, like their number one priority is to kind of sort of write the well, ship, yeah. if you will. And and not that I mean, obviously, I think Ahsoka was received pretty well. You know, sure, it had some issues, but it had some great moments. And I think overall, the reception of it was pretty positive. Um as well as, you know, sort of you could say the same for a lot of the recent Star Wars stuff. But there is sort of this general cultural perception, if you will, that, um, yeah, and maybe it's coming off the, the heels of the sequel trilogy and how maybe, I mean, those films were all really financially successful. But sort of the lasting legacy of those movies, I think, is probably not as good as Disney would have hoped. Um, and, you know, there's there's sort of this perception that, like, star wars is not as good as it used to be or that it's it's sort of not in its heyday or something like that and you know saying like i said it's not just star wars this is kind of a thing that disney is dealing with in general right now with like you know marvel is you know people talk about superhero burnout and you know the the mcu not being as good since endgame and even you know the most recent indiana jones movie not doing well at the box office and stuff so um I think that they're they're first and foremost hoping that under Dave's leadership they can really um not maybe you know turn around and do a complete 180 because again it's not like they're floundering right now where they've had a bunch of you know bombs or, or bad shows or anything like that but um I think just kind of strengthen the direction going forward and hope to churn out some really big hits um it'll be interesting to see sort of when we start seeing the impact of this I mean obviously we know that there's sort of a certain segment of their storytelling going forward that Dave is already heavily inspired, heavily influenced um, or heavily involved in rather um, with like his movie that he's still working on and still going to be directing and with the Mandalorian. And they talk about in this article too, like a possibility of a second season of Ahsoka, they don't confirm anything. And Dave kind of talked about being in like, Oh, we're kind of in a wait and see right now. Um, but there's also been like some unconfirmed rumors that they're already in production on a season two or they've already greenlit it. Like it's hard to imagine them not doing that. And he definitely yeah. acknowledges like I, I definitely planted the seeds there for there to be, you know, more stories with Ahsoka and Balin in that other universe um, or other galaxy rather. Um, yeah, this article definitely made me more hopeful that a season two is more likely than not. Yeah. Um, so we already know that like he's gonna have control over that stuff, but with you know, like 
the Acolyte and Skeleton Crew and the the new Jedi Order movie that um, is supposed to be going into production next year. Um, it's like, you know, the wheels are already churning on that stuff and Andor season two. So like it, those are things that Dave is not going to uh, start putting story input into in the inception phase because, you know, that stuff's already going. So it's going to be like a few years from now before we start seeing the stuff that like he is involved in at the planning stages right now. Um, I actually hope that kind of like the first big project that goes to him is Dawn of the Jedi. I mean, mm. that still seems kind of pretty early where I don't think there's a script yet. I know Mangle is still, he's probably has a, a story idea that they're going to work with, but to do something as big as like Dawn of the Jedi, I kind of really hope that is something that Dave is heavily involved in, in this early stage in the story development process of it. I can't remember if Dave's talked too much about, interacting much with Mangold at all during the process or the early development for Dawn of the Jedi. But I think for a big like Star Wars movie where he's not um, going to be doing as a director, like his own movie, but for the first movie, that's what kind of goes through him as the chief creative officer. I think Dawn of the Jedi is a perfect one just for his extensive knowledge and care that I know he puts into anything involving the Jedi and new aspects of the force. Um, as we've seen, throughout Clone Wars and up to the Ahsoka series. And for me, which has pretty much always been home runs that he's hit when he's dove into that aspect of Star Wars. So I would love it if that is a project that um, he kind of oversees first as a chief creative officer for an upcoming movie that we know is coming. Well, I like to hope that it's one that will uh, end up seeing and getting to the finish line. But uh, as far as the three movies that they've announced that are kind of at the forefront, um, that one I'm kind of hoping is where he gets his hands on or at least as involved in the story process as chief creative officer. Yeah, it does, they do point out in this Vanity Fair article, it says all the titles from Star Wars Celebration are still on the books, according to Lucasfilm officials, including a historical epic about the early origins of the Force. Um, yeah. I mean, you always still got to put that just as a little reassurance because of yeah, the black record yeah. still stinks. Um. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, we'll we'll see how many of the announced projects still end up happening. Although it seems like at this point, you know, again, they're confirming that all three of those movies are still happening. And then we still have uh, the Acolyte and Skeleton Crew um, and Andor Season 2 and the Bad Batch Season 3. And, you know, that's kind of the, the next stuff that's coming on the horizon. And then, of course, we got Dave's movie. We're going to have more Mando. We're hopefully going to have more Ahsoka. Um so, I mean, that's a lot right there to get us through, like, the next couple of years. Um, and then I mean, we could get more into this later, too. Apparently, the Lando series is now going to be a movie. I feel like we briefly touched on that during, uh, like, that's while right. Ahsoka was on. Because it was, like, during the strike. Um, and it was, like, announced that the show had changed showrunners. And then, oh, actually, it's not a show. It's a movie now. Um and that's that'll be interesting. And I will I, I I'll be I'll kind of be surprised if that happens, but um who knows where that's at. And then of course, you know, you still got like people like Taika Waititi and Ryan Johnson that will still bring up their Star Wars movies and in interviews, you know, every now and then. But um yeah, I'm sure they have, you know, tons of ideas and who knows if like it, it'll be interesting once again, once we get into a phase where Dave is really involved in this stuff heavily from the beginning stages, if we are going to see, you know, may, like one thing that I thought might be interesting and, and something to maybe kind of tighten the screws, if you will, um, 
would be if they maybe focused on one era for a while, for a few years or something, and just focused mm. on, um, you know, telling, doing a bunch of movies and series set in that era instead of jumping all over the place. Um, that is, I, I, that's one thing I feel that Marvel has going for it that Star Wars doesn't have is with the MCU. It's like everything is more or less linear. I know there's some things that don't exactly take place in chronological order, but it's like every new thing that's coming out is building on the stuff that came before it. Um, and I think I already know just from talking to people at work and stuff, you know, for, for some of the casual fans with star Wars, like jumping all over the timeline, sometimes, you know, it's hard for people to catch up. So, um, yeah, I don't know. See, that's one of the aspects I love about it. Maybe, I mean, as diehard fan, it's not too big of a deal for us, but I know you make a good point. Yeah. For the casual audience out there, how it might be something might be a little jarring going back and forth because yeah, but I, that's one of the aspects of, that I love just about the star Wars universe and this, the potential of different stories you can do, whether it's movies or TV shows, and just a big old gap in the time, the timeline that you can pick and choose from to where you want to tell your stories, which, in my opinion, hasn't been used um, uh, or hasn't been utilized as it should be as, as far as picking these different eras and being stuck kind of in this one period for a good long time kind of seems to be what they have been doing. And I wish they kind of would branch out um, more so um, than what we've seen so far in these different timelines. Yeah, I mean, and obviously that seems to be what they're doing sort of for the foreseeable future. I mean, we've got the Acolyte coming out yeah. that takes place, you know, a hundred, a couple hundred years before all the stuff that's going on now. And then you've got, you know, Andor season two. You've got the the new Jedi Order movie that's jumping forward in the future. You've got the Dawn of the Jedi movie that's going way back in the past. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like it'll be three movies we have coming or just each of them is in the a different period of the timeline. And yeah. Like, and, and don't get me wrong. I love that, but I also, it'll be interesting to see the reception to those and how those all do at the box office. And, you know, are people able to kind of keep up with all of it? Um, well, it, it, if, that, if that I may, could be, that could be one thing that they maybe want to have Dave kind of guide everything going in one direction for a while, but that would be, you know, that's, that's kind of for farther off in the future. Well, and if I may jump in for a second here, I, I, I do think that there's, a little bit of an overrated aspect of the timeline thing, because here's the thing. People are sheep. I just, what this reality people hear a movie's good. They're going to go see it. And it could be because people, if prequels were, were awful and not great things, then people would never make them. People make prequels all the time. And George was one of the first, you know, people to really kind of go for it commercially and everyone was like I don't know blah, blah, blah. you know it was, it was risk taking and now they're very common and people are always in Hollywood and everyone's still trying to make those things and so I do feel that Star Wars has a little bit of a precedence we all know it's a no duh right but I do feel that people that yeah some people might like get frustrated about that and go well, I've watched everything like which is I think is ridiculous I, I think I think that is one of the most easiest things to say when you don't feel like going into like a, a movie you're, you don't really want to see because everyone is really into it and there's a bunch of stuff around it and you're like i don't want to see this movie because i just don't feel like i i feel i should have to be able to go into this and be on everyone's same level it's like that's just not reality it's like i can't go you know and i do feel like that's part of it like i'm not i, I do feel like maybe there's some things you know whatever but like i look at a movie like infinity war that movie i feel works so well by itself like there's no problems. And I do feel like, yeah, if they're, if they're sequel directly, if they're sequels to like direct things like episode eight or whatever, nine, that's different. But in the, in the era, what we're doing like with these TV shows, I think it's such a cop out because it's like, I can't follow sports. 
you know, and I don't watch every single team. I can't watch, you know what I mean? Like I still find value there. Like oh, I have to, I have to watch all these 800 games with this team to get, you know, to understand it. Like, no, you don't have to just watch the game. Like it's watch the story unfold. That's because that's what you're going for. You're going for a good, entertaining, fun story. And just because like, and I've said the same thing about, same thing about the MCU, these things are supposed to enhance like the storytelling, not be the storytelling, depending on, you know, again, if it's a direct sequel, like a, you know, episode, you know, the sequel trilogy or whatever, you know, trilogy different. But for the most part, with with trilogies going away or these direct sequels going away, which is kind of a bummer in my opinion, I still want trilogies for Star Wars, but I think it'll happen one day. I do feel that it's it's as long as these movies are good, and for the most part, again, again, bad movies get popular, good movies get go don't do well at all. It could be a, a number of different things, but I don't I do feel that's an overrated aspect of it. And I think people, if they start hearing that Star Wars is back and it's like Dawn of the Jedi, and they're like, wait, what does this take place again? And they go, oh, it's, you know, it's it's a good movie. Sweet. And they go, I don't understand what timeline it is. And they go watch the movie and go, that was a good movie. And they start talking about it. Like, that's the whole point, right? Like, yeah, they might be a little confused at first. It's like Rogue One. People thought people were going to be confused with Rogue One. And there was some of it there, but not really. People got it. They go, oh, yeah, this is Empire era. Cool. And then they go see Dawn of the Jedi. They'll go, oh, yeah, this is like before anything. That makes sense. Or they go see the Ray movie. Oh, it takes place after Rise of Skywalker, whatever. Like they're gonna figure it out. It's not rocket science. People are just <laughs> people to say that stuff because they don't. They, again, they want to be on the same level as everybody else, and they they don't want to be like they're missing out on something. There is a big part of that, and that is a problem with fan. That was to be more of the problem is that they there's an intimidation of the fact that like they're not into it as much as other people, so they feel like they're not going to get as much out of it, which is ridiculous in my opinion. So. Let's want to throw that out there real quick. Yeah, it's like it's funny you mentioned Dawn of the Jedi because that actually might be like the easiest one to get into as far as the future movies being it all the way back and pretty much being at the very beginning. It would it shouldn't be too hard to having to watch anything to know or to get into that movie. But um, I do get what you're saying too as far as that whole thing because you brought it up like the MCU homework problem, which I don't think is necessarily a problem for what star wars is going through right now but i do get people from time to time like some family even people at work just always come to me with questions where does this take place and remind me what movie like timeline this is and like how do you remember all this stuff <laughs> and, like yeah my mom is like together? that too she's always asking me where does this take place but see that's what i'm saying like i i feel like the mcu is one problem where like if if you're seeing a new movie and there's 30 other movies that have led up to it which obviously like you it they should be built so that you don't have to see everything but if you're a fan and you've been watching all along like you know you the the excitement and the anticipation is there i mean you mentioned paul like infinity war stands on its own as a great movie but that movie you know made as much money as it did and was as critically and, and financially successful as it was because it was this big event that people have been anticipating for so long um now with star wars it's like you don't have to have watched you know that many movies leading up to it to enjoy a new thing but because you know it's a different problem where because it's so spread out and it's like ahsoka takes place in one timeline and andor takes place in a different part of the timeline and you know acolytes over here and sequel trilogies over here it's like for people that don't pay as close attention to it as we do it's like, yeah, when a new thing comes out and it's like if you're familiar with Star Wars and you know a little bit about the universe and the story that this is connected to, but it's hard to sort of place 
where it is and and how everything connects. Um, I don't know. It's something I think about a lot because again, I keep track of all of it, obviously, but it's like the more stories they tell and sort of the bigger and bigger the timeline gets. And then the more they bounce around said timeline, is it going to get harder and harder for people to catch up or keep up that are just casual fans? So We'll and honestly, see. And, th- and that's something where I wonder if Dave is going to kind of maybe streamline the direction of that more going forward. And at least for me and my experience with talking to people about that, when they're asking me questions about where things take place, it's like it never comes across as like it's a frustration or a deal breaker for them. They're just like kind of curious because they enjoy what they see, whatever Star Wars movie or TV shows they're watching. And it's like, yeah, it's really good. But like, just remind me, where does this take place again in there? So it's like, oh, OK, it just makes it better for them once they know where it's at. But it's never something yeah. that I think is like a problem is where like keeps them from watching it or enjoying it, um, not knowing where it's taking place. It's just kind of like an afterthought later on once they see it that they would like to know. Yeah, exactly. I, and, I, and I think, and honestly, I think that you, the, the fact, to be honest, I think the fact that Star Wars isn't linear or it's it's linear in a sense to where that everyone ages the same like they don't they're not going to go back and recast everyone they or just recast and keep retelling the same like go back to the same eras all the time like the comics and the books do and i think that's a good thing in some ways because you're it's star wars will constantly be re, will be refreshing itself for the new generation and the new heroes of that generation and there's something special about that to be honest mm-hmm. so, so, so there is a cool like there's a cool idea of like every generation is going to have their own Star Wars like heroes. And they're, and again, the may all hit, may, no, might be, you know, I think that the sequel trilogy is kind of a mixed bag a little bit. Let's be real. Um, at but the honestly, same time, I, think, I think the same thing is going to happen to the, happen to the prequel. Trilogy. I hope so. I With hope the kids so. Who grew I, up on it is, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I, 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 we'll see. But like, I, I do think there is a value there because it, because there is, because, Star Wars can never reboot. Let's reboot it by writing new characters and yeah. going for the, the, the timeline. And I think that there's, I think honestly, Star Wars will be so radically different in 10 years. Then we'll, we'll, we'll be like, we'll look back and go, that's nuts. We started at this and now we're here. Like, I really do think that because I think between Dave Filoni and, and, and obviously like not just him, but like, all the new writers and and the creators that are going to be coming into the to the world of Star Wars, the franchise of Star Wars, between now and ten years, it's going to evolve all the storytelling, evolve evolve so many ideas with these characters and the new characters that it's going to be a complete. It's it's going to flesh out to where we're not going to be stuck in the Empire era nonstop. Like I really do, mm-hmm. I do think that with the High Republic and with the Dawn of the Jedi. It's gonna open. It's gonna start opening things up even more to the timelines. And with Ray movie too. Don't get me wrong. I think Ray is a, a big reason or a big part of that too. You're gonna start getting these different eras where it's gonna be almost expected of like, oh, just like how we're, we're gonna have a crawl. I love the Soka that didn't have a didn't have a traditional crawl, but it had some kind of like text to kind of keep us up to date. That's a little more informative than like the solo one. And I do feel like where, we're, where it's headed is going that way of like, we'll keep you up to speed with the crawl or some kind of little snippet in the beginning that it's going to be, you're going to read, that's going to get you all ready to go and you're going to get thrown in you're going to have a blast. And, and it's going to be in all over the place and timelines. Cause like I said, in 10 years, they're going to, we're going to have so much more fleshed out of like where they want to go with star Wars and you know how they want to tell. Cause let's be real. We're going to get in 10 years, we're going to get Knights of the Republic. 
it's gonna happen. Like it's gonna, it's a I guarantee soon. No, no, it's gonna be ten years. In ten years, there's no way. There's no way it's not. I, I do. I've, I've said from the beginning. Maybe just the game will be longer than ten years. The remake. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, I, if we if we get the remake in less than ten years, I'll be happy with that. Y'all, I'm telling you all. I'm telling you. It's going to happen in the next 10 years because the High Republic is the training wheels for that. They know this is Knights of the Republic, in my opinion, is the closest thing you're going to get to what we're, to episode one and seven. And it's not even on that same level, but it's the closest I thing you're going to you get to. Yeah. It's that name that carries a lot of weight. Levels, yeah. yeah, it does. It, it, it may not be the mainstream audience, but to us, it will. And you know, again, I, I said mainstreams are sheep, are sheep, and that's just reality. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being real. People follow. They they look for. They want to be told what to watch. That's just reality, and that's why they love. That's why, that's why they. That's why critics exist in the first place. They want to be told. No one wants. No one wants to figure out for themselves, which is sad. But that's just reality. So the thing is, with Knights of the Republic, it's going to create such a buzz. It's gonna people aren't gonna be help but like get attached to it or get drawn to it because everyone's gonna be losing their goddamn mind. So just put that out there. Like there's gonna be a buzz for Natural Republic. It's the closest thing a Star Wars is gonna get to the this the new new trilogy announcements. It's not gonna be on the same level, but close, but it's gonna be the closest thing in the next 10 years for that. And I think it's gonna be it, it's gonna again, if depending on that success of that movie. Or that whatever that's going to be, I'm assuming it's going to be a film. It has to be a film. Um, it's going to be, you know, a game changer as far as being able to tell different stories. And now when you start fleshing out those stories that Dave will be in charge of, essentially, I'm assuming it doesn't get fired between now and then. Hopefully, that doesn't happen. Um, it's going to then really lay out even more groundwork after Acolyte, the High Republic, through the maybe by this point, because Donna Jedi will come out before. You're going to start laying that groundwork of a through line, a better through line of how you're going to tell these Jedi stories going forward. And going to your point too, just about things being like really different and moving away from Empire versus Rebellion. That was actually one of my favorite quotes of the article from Vanity Fair that Dave was talking about, just in regards to um, a future season of Ahsoka or, or his film. We just how he says, you know, he's still setting up a larger conflict with the Imperial Remnant, but he says that conflict can't just mirror what we've seen before. It has to take on a different shape. It can't just be the Empire versus what looks like the Rebellion or even the Republic. It has to be visually different. And it's like, yep, that's just a small reason why I'm so glad he has that position now. Or that's going to move beyond, future story is going to move beyond that conflict. And even just from a visual standpoint. And, you know, that's um, one of the, you know, how much I rarely <laughs> criticize most of the sequel trilogy. I love it. But the using the same aesthetic as Empire versus Rebellion for pretty much just slapping on the names First Order and Resistance with X-Wings and TIE Fighters still. Because we know if Lucas was still doing it, he would have had different chips, different mm -hmm. organizations. This would have been different. And Dave realizes that. And knowing that even though this is going to be still a fight against the remnants of the Empire, it's going to be so different, which is why he's bringing in the Night Sisters and Thrawn with them to be in our galaxy and at the forefront of that conflict. So even though he's specifically talking about his future projects with that, I just think that's something he's kind of going to preach towards those who other future Star Wars creators and once they're going through story ideas and just kind of encouraging them to have that different feel of what George would do with every new story that um, he would tell. So I just really like that uh, bit of info, info we got from him in that article, just really driving home that point where you just can't really do the same thing over and over again, even from a visual aesthetic.
Yeah, I mean, that was great. And again, just shows how, you know, Dave just gets it and, and knows how to make good Star Wars. But it was funny because, like, this is one of those instances where you could have gotten away with that. Um, yeah, you know, right. I, like, I like to I like to make this comparison with the, the, the Force Awakens and Rogue One all the time, right? Like the Force Awakens is at thirty after thirty years after the original trilogy, and just gave us more stormtroopers and X wings and Tie fighters that just look a little bit different. Whereas Rogue One is set right before A New Hope and could have just given us the same stormtroopers and X wings and Tie fighters that we all know, but it gave us more different trooper designs and ship designs and stuff that still feel like they fit within that era, but just the variety of different, you know, the, the beach troopers and the death troopers and the, um, I can't even remember the names like of all the, the strikers. Like, yeah. The tie strikers and the tie reapers and the U wings and stuff like there's way more just variety of different designs and stuff than we got in the sequel trilogy. And it was like, but Rogue One, you could have gotten away with just doing the original trilogy nostalgia stuff, and yet they still found ways to make it new and different and fresh. And so it's just cool to see what Dave is doing here because I'm like, look, seeing one more big battle with just Rebellion versus the Empire, but this time it's Thrawn involved in Hera and all these you know characters that we've seen in Rebels and stuff in live action. Like, I would have been totally okay with that. And you know, we've already got like some new, um, some new New Republic ships that we'd seen in the Ahsoka series, and of course, you got Thrawn's Chimera Star Destroyer, and you've already got a little bit of like the different designs with the gold plating on his troopers and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I just love that Dave is always looking to change it up and bring some new ideas to it. And uh, yeah, of course, you know, we've got the Night Troopers. He's bringing the Night Sisters back, and I'm sure they're going to be involved in whatever conflict is going down. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, with him saying like, oh, it can't just be something that looks like the the Rebellion or the Republic. So like, what more new stuff are we going to see from the New Republic? Um Aside from, you know, I guess if we got those new capital ship designs, but maybe they're going to introduce some new fighters or maybe they'll recruit some new allies. You know, they'll maybe be like a new allied species or something that's fighting with them um, that gives us something totally different um, than what we've seen before. So that was really cool. Um, you know, always love the the new fresh ideas that Dave brings to the table. Um, and just going back to something we talked about earlier, too, it's like whether you think Dave Filoni is the Messiah and he should be in charge of everything Star Wars or whether you're kind of tired of him or, you know, think that he just caters to too much fan service or whatever. I think hopefully we can all agree that like, there's nobody really better for this job just based on the years of experience that he's had, the, the experience that he has telling different Star Wars stories and creating characters that have become fan favorites and beloved by so many people. And the fact that he spent so many years working directly with George Lucas um, and, and just has this wealth of star Wars knowledge. Um, and that already, you know, there's so many people that, that turn to him and rely on him for um, just for questions that they have about this universe and about making star Wars stories and stuff. It's like, I can't imagine anybody else filling this role um, and just yeah. having that, that wealth of experience that Dave has um, and it was interesting, too. There was a quote in the article where he talked about he kind of mentioned, you know, obviously his journey from animation into live action and but almost made it sound like this role that he's stepping into was kind of something that's maybe been in the making for a while because he mentioned kind of like, oh, I needed to get some live action directing under my like some some directing experience under my belt first. Um 
And we know that like he's talked a lot before about uh, when, you know, Kathleen Kennedy coming to take over Lucasfilm and them starting to make movies and him mentioning to her his interest in live action and making that jump from uh, animation to live action just because he was interested in getting to tell stories in a different medium. But now in this article, he almost makes it sound like, well, in order for me to be in this overseer role, helping tell all these different stories with all these live action filmmakers, I needed to have some live action directing experience myself. So I don't know if, you know, this was kind of like just a, a new step that happened, or if this is something that's been in the works for a while and that he's just kind of mm. been trying to work his way up to this point. Um, but regardless, you know, I, like I said, I think it's a, a great role for him and I think he's better suited for it than anybody else on the planet really um and i'm glad that he's you know still going to get to make his movie and still be sort of heavily involved in um you know the production of some of these upcoming shows and stuff but i also think that getting to just be in this like overseer chief storyteller type role um i think is going to suit him really well because i mean yeah look i love the ahsoka series um and is it perfect no does it have you know is is the the direction or the writing and all the episodes and the dialogue and stuff the best no and like it you could argue that it's like the prequels in in that way um and you know where people would have some of the same criticisms about george lucas that he maybe wasn't the best director wasn't the best at working with actors wasn't the best writer of dialogue but his big scope big picture you know just level of storytelling and being able to create mythology and beloved characters and all that kind of stuff was just you know, unmatched. And I see, you know, we're starting to see a lot of those same qualities in Dave. Um, not to say that he's a bad director or a bad writer or anything like that. I just think um, that just being able to kind of guide these different stories and and be a, a mentor and just kind of be a, a storyteller um, is, is a role that's going to suit him really well. So um yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what this looks like over the next few years. Also, you know, We've heard this a lot. I feel like we hear this every year from Bob Iger at this point over the last two or three years. But he's been harping again lately about emphasizing the quality over the the yeah quality over quantity. Um, and so, yeah, maybe we won't see as many Star Wars projects um, going forward as we have the last couple of years. Um, you know, it might be maybe just one movie and one or two series a year or something like that, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to tell what, what sort of level of impact this is going to have right now when we've already got another like two years of stuff in the production pipeline, but it'll be interesting to look back on this five, 10 years from now and see kind of how well everything is doing sort of under this, this unified direction from Dave in this, uh, this chief creative officer role. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Time will tell, but I'm, I'm excited for it and I think he's going to do great at it. Yeah, just another thing too, I guess the last thing I was saying on it, just from, I guess, the production standpoint, just everybody seems just to love working with Dave. Actors, writers, yeah. art department, visual effects, like this. Everyone just doesn't have a bad thing to say about him. And just, not, and just what a, not only just a great person to collaborate with and work with, but just to have that person there who has all that Star Wars knowledge, everyone feels just like such a great tool that they can utilize for their characters and for, the story they're trying to tell so he, like you said kyle he's like the perfect person on the planet to take this job his love and knowledge of star wars and just just being able to be somebody who works uh great with actors and other collaboratives as uh, 
storytellers. So it's just like the complete package that you would want from someone uh, to be in charge of Star Wars storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, speaking of upcoming Star Wars projects, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um, again, now that the strike is over, you know, they're they're getting the wheels turning on stuff again. Um we never I think we never officially got a release date announced that Skeleton Crew was coming out by the end of this year, but I think maybe it was on like a Disney, you know, fiscal report or financial forecast or something that had it listed for like quarter four of this year. Um, obviously not happening at this point, unless they're going to stealth drop it in two weeks. Um, but, uh, I know that Disney has been putting out like some press release type stuff for their upcoming slate for next year. And here's things to look forward to on Disney plus for 2024. Um, and the interesting thing to note there is that the only two star Wars things that they've mentioned have been, uh, the acolyte and skeleton crew, um, now we also, you know, originally Andor season two was in production and they said that they were targeting fall of 2024 for a release for that around the same time that season one came out in 2022. Um, but it seems like that maybe is now going to get bumped to 2025, um, you know, due to, I'm assuming a lot of that is due to delays from the strike. I also don't know, you know, how much of it might just be them wanting to space stuff out and take a little bit more time. And again, focus on that quality over quantity aspect. Um, but certainly the delays from the strike have a, a big part to play in that. So it seems like Andor season two, 2025, uh, Acolyte and Skeleton Crew next year. The interesting thing to note, again, we were expecting Skeleton Crew around this time this year. And I've heard some reports that it may have actually been pushed back almost an entire year that it, we might still get the Acolyte first, like in spring or summer next year, and then get Skeleton Crew around this time next year. So like November, December of 2025, or sorry, 2024, um, which would be a really interesting choice. And I can't help but wonder, like, hopefully that doesn't mean that they had some big production issues or needed to do a bunch of reshoots or that they weren't happy with it and needed to retool it. Um, but it's possible. You never know. I mean, I haven't heard any reports about trouble on the, the production of that or anything. I also wonder if because, you know, we've heard that Skeleton Crew is supposed to be kind of like inspired by those 80s Amblin films and it's got a, a crew of kids and stuff that maybe it's just the type of thing that they want to release in a, a holiday window. That's kind um, of what I was thinking, actually. <laughs> or, yeah, that, I mean, that was one thing I was thinking. It, yeah. I, it certainly seems like it fits that release date, but it's like if you need, is it the type of thing that fits that release date so perfectly that it's like, oh, well, if we're going to have to bump it by a couple months, we might as well bump it by a whole year. Um, maybe the whole series is going to center around life day or something. <laughs> That's why they want it on there. <laughs> maybe, maybe that seems like an odd choice to make, but also, I mean, if Andor is getting bumped off the slate for next year and you're thinking, okay, we've only got two series to release in 2024. Um, and you know, where are we going to space them out? And, you know, maybe they just, their, their sort of most strategic placement is to have Acolyte in the summer and Skeleton Crew in the winter. Um, and it seems like, you know, it won't really affect the timing of like where that falls in the timeline because it's not like we're going to get that before Mando or like after Mando season four or anything like that. Um, we know it takes place in that that man sort of Mando New Republic era, but it's like that's the only thing from that era that's going to be coming out next year anyway. So I guess it doesn't really matter when they release it. Um, but I just thought that was a, an interesting choice. And it seems like we're now going to have to 
wait quite a while before we get to see our next Star Wars show, which is not really something that we're used to over the last couple of years. Um, now, we do also have, it's interesting, like, I've seen a lot of Star Wars sites reporting on this and being like, but we also have Bad Batch Season 3 and uh, Season 2 of Tales of the Jedi coming out next year, so like, don't forget about that. It's like, well, I think it's safe to assume that Bad Batch Season 3 is coming out next year. Um, in fact, I think I saw some of the the crew members from uh, the Bad Batch series like posted on Twitter recently saying that they had just completed like their final sound mix session yeah. or something like that. So it seems like they're very close to being done um, on production with that. So maybe we'll get season two or season three of Bad Batch early next year, just like uh, season two came out early this year, um, especially because it's again, if you remember those weird rumors and stuff like it seemed like season two was ready to be released in like fall of 2022, like around the same time as Andor. And then, um, you know, they just kind of quietly pushed it back and didn't really talk about it. And then, you know, it came out in like January of this year or whenever it was. Um, so all that to say, like, it, even though season two came out beginning of this year, I think it was done for longer than that. So it's like, they've had a while to be working on season three. So I think it's definitely safe to assume that season three of Bad Batch will be coming sometime next year. All we know is that there's going to be a season two of Tales of the Jedi. Like Dave Filoni announced that at Celebration for people that are saying, oh, yeah, don't forget that's coming out next year, too. Like, I don't know where they're getting that from because we haven't heard anything about production on it or a possible release date or anything. Yeah, that would have been um, news to me. <laughs> yeah, if it comes out next year, awesome. Like, I, I would love to get new episodes of Tales of the Jedi sooner than later. Um and I don't know if I mentioned this back when we were doing our, our Ahsoka episodes, but like now having seen the Ahsoka, uh, you know, the full season of Ahsoka, I would love to get a season of Tales of the Jedi where just like three of the episodes are about uh, the time that Sabine and Ahsoka spent training together in between yeah. Rebels and the Ahsoka series. And then three episodes about Balin and Shin, like maybe one episode about just Balin as a Jedi. Um and like, you know, maybe leading up to him surviving Order 66, and then maybe an episode about him uh, rescuing or like meeting Shin for the first time and starting that relationship. And then an episode that maybe takes place like leading into the Ahsoka series or something like that. I think those are two pairs of characters and two relationship dynamics that would be rife for more explanation uh, in a season two of Tales of the Jedi. So I think that would be great, but we've heard nothing about it. So I, you know, I'm... I'm not getting my hopes up that that's a definite for next year, but maybe not out of the question, but we'll see. I don't know where everybody's getting this just sort of assumption from that that's happening next year. Um, well, you know, yeah, I, I gotta say this here. I, I think that people, yeah, we're bummed out. We're not getting star Wars, but I, I first of all, I don't think skeleton crew is, is uh, doomed or I think Disney is like, let's put, let's put the pause button on a lot of projects right now or not projects, but a lot of franchises to kind of get them some, get them some breathing room and get our heads straight. I, obviously I think the writer, the writer strike probably to, to be honest, I think the writer strike might be a blessing in disguise for both Marvel and DC specifically um, because it gives breathing room for fans to be like, get all their, you know, is that, that kid song, get shake your wiggles out. And, and I think with the, in this case, if you shake your hatred out, uh, you know, or your contempt out, uh, you know, like shake, shake your contempt out, um, you know, so, and I, I, I'm being somewhat serious here because I do feel that people need to kind of miss it a little bit. And I feel that 
but you're also still valuing some, you know, by putting things out this year. Because think about this, Marvel and Star Wars are eerily kind of in the same boat because they're releasing what the couple animated series. Um, there's, I think, one TV series, Acolyte, Echo, Bad Batch, X Men '97. Uh, you know, and uh, Star Wars might have, you know, the Skeleton Crew to come out later on too, but it certainly seems like you guys said like more of a holiday thing they're going to do, which I think is a smart idea. I just think it's smart to like really get that, that specialness back. We talked about, we've talked about before in the episode, right, Tim? Like, you know, I want to say like maybe me, me and you, we talked about how it might be good to like kind of let make these be like kind of an event again. And I feel like Ahsoka was a great example that I feel if Ahsoka was not on the heels of Mandalorian season three, I think more people would be even more stoked about it, like, or even Andor, I should say, you know, because it, it came like bam, bam, bam. I feel if Ahsoka was yeah. coming off like a a, a a good drought of Star Wars content of uh, on you know live action, I think that would would have killed, to be quite honest. Um, and so I think they're kind of learning and trying to figure out it gives it gives them both time to kind of reevaluate how they want to promote this, because that's the thing too, but people don't realize. Uh, Ahsoka was not getting any publicity from anyone because yeah. of the strike, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I still think because of that, I'm not saying that it's funny. I always say like, it's, it's, it's overrated, but it's, it's not underrated. It shouldn't underrate it either. It, it, there is an importance to it. And I do feel like that did hurt the show a little bit for the people like out there to start promoting the show um, out there. And because, because let's face it, Rosario Dawson is a charismatic person. You know, she, there is a, she has a charisma to her uh, and her performances. And even when she's playing the stone, you know, cold, uh, you know, Ahsoka sad, whatever, or whatever uh, you know, people want to call her in the show. Um, she's a, she's a, she's a commanding actress and she's a charisma and her going out on, on the talk show circuit or whatever, and getting the, the, the mainstream audience to look at her and have her laugh and be energetic. Like those are important things, you know, honestly. And I think that that definitely hurt the show a little bit. Not be able to have like a star like Zara Dawson get out there, you know, and promote. So um, I do feel that there's, I think it's it's a good opportunity for them to kind of reevaluate everything and really look at themselves and say, what exactly are we doing, and is this worth it, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that there there is going to be some good time for them to kind of really look at things and go, yeah, we need to do this differently. So, yeah. I, 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 for one, think it, they're, this is a, probably a good thing. And I do think Skeleton Crew being delayed um, after uh, Acolyte is a good thing. Because Acolyte is supposed to come out with Spring, right? I mean, again, there's been no official word on that. Um, I think the, I, the speculation yeah. was Spring. And now, like, I've seen some other rumors that, it'll be, again, because of the strike, like, it maybe could get pushed to later in the summer. Although I will say this. Um, there was an official announcement that they're bringing back a thing at Disneyland called seasons of the force. And I don't remember if they're also doing this at Disney world in Florida, but they're doing it at Disneyland in California. Um, And it's a thing that they did like around the time that the force awakens came out. And they may have also done it for the other, uh, you know, theatrical movies that have come out during the Disney era. Um, where now I, finally I, come back <laughs> it, for for the yeah for the for the movies obviously it was like during the holiday time um but it was like in addition to all the stuff the star wars stuff that they normally have that's when like they turned uh space mountain into hyperspace mountain they would have like more star wars music 
playing throughout the park. I think they might have had some characters walking around. You know, this was like before Galaxy's Edge was open. Um, and they, I, I forget exactly what all they mentioned in the press release, but they did mention like Hyperspace Mountain is coming back. Um, you know, Star Wars, there's going to be some additional like Star Wars music and Star Wars merch. I think they said <laughs> you can uh, stand in Galaxy's Edge and like hear Star Wars music you know, playing to like the, the Disneyland fireworks shows that go off every night and stuff. So, um, and star tours is going to get some new content out of there, which yeah, I assume is going to be a lot of Mandalorian and Ahsoka focus. Which probably. And that, that would be really cool. Yes. Um, I would love to get to do, you know, see some of that stuff incorporated in star tours, but I think that's going to be going on from like April through May or June next year. And I was like, I was looking at that going, huh, that's, interesting timing because again previously they had it around christmas time which also happened to be when there were new star wars movies coming out um but i'm like there's no star wars movie coming out next year there's no star wars celebration next year because the next celebration i think is until 2025 the one in japan um so it was like i wonder why they picked this time to do this when there's no big star wars thing coming out and then i was like oh i wonder if the acolyte is coming out sometime during that time frame and that's when you know that's going to be part of their uh, their big marketing push for it um and because it's going to be one of the only star wars things coming out next year if you know they're really just going to go all out with the the marketing and the promotion and the the disneyland stuff and all that so that's kind of my working theory right now is that it might be sometime during that window of like late spring early summer um but who knows, you know, release dates can change and stuff anyway. So um, I will say, I mean, hopefully sometime early next year, maybe we'll get our first official teaser for it and not just a leaked one from Celebration, but hopefully it won't be too long till we find out. Well, I, I think that, that there's, what they need to do is really spread those out and um, not have Acolyte be, to be honest, I think what they should, if they're going to do, which I, I know they wanted to put skeleton crew out this year, um, potentially. And I know the strike, they want to spread things out even more. If what they should probably do is put out the acolyte in the winter or spring, like, like kind of like in that, that front, that time frame, uh, which I think is when Mandalorian came out, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it's interesting because echoes could be dropped out on the Marvel show all at once. So, that's and right, people are saying, that. <laughs> yeah, and people say that's because it's lack, you know, it's not very good or whatever, but it's gotten some decent reviews from, I, from what I can tell, the people who got the first three episodes and the trailer looked interesting. So, plus, I think it's only like uh, five episodes, isn't it? Or five, yeah, it, it's short. So, I, I think releasing it all at once is probably not a bad idea, especially when you consider like how Andor really benefited. I felt like doing all three at once, and when they try to go back that route, it kind of backfired. I mean, people, it was critically acclaimed, but no one really watched it. So, I mean, I mean, let's be real. It, it, that's it's reality. So um, that being said, it'll be interesting to see where they, it goes after that, because they want to people to stay on and, and to like keep paying for Disney plus having the acolyte come out a few months later or a month later would make sense, especially if you want to, you know, maybe spread out that, that star Wars stuff, you know, and everything to me, it makes more sense to be not saying like it's a few months difference is that big of a deal, but in my opinion, moving it up into the winter time in that winter spring era, like where it's like, you know, maybe late February, early March, somewhere around there into spring, that would be a better way to do it, especially if you want to save uh skeleton crew again, presuming that's what they want to do skeleton crew for the, for the, uh, for the winter time 
for the summer or excuse me for the winter time you know around the holidays which i think is a, a genius idea especially with all the kids stuff if you have a lot you know it, it gives buys them time for putting out action figures and and, and merchandise for these kids because i can tell you right now with you know you'll it, i'll just say this for those who might be potential parents at some point in the future uh you'll understand what i'm talking about when you're you know you have kids and start seeing other bigger kids and their shows are watching uh all of a sudden they have merchandise available they're gonna want that it's there like my my daughter's obsessed with uh big kids and i think big kids like on on tv shows and movies she gravitates towards them immediately and i think that there's a lot of merchandising capability with that, to be honest. And I think they really need to buy into that. So, um, you know, it, it makes sense if with, with, with Christmas around the corner. So I feel like they, to, they need to spread it out and they need to put Acolyte in that winter spring frame and put, um, Skeleton crew in that winter holiday era or era time frame. Excuse me. I'm more, I'm more yeah. guys in the cannon shelf. I can't help it. I, I'm getting arrows in my head. <laughs> Um, that's what it no, comes I mean, down to. You want them in good spots for your cannon shelf, right? <laughs> Depending on what they come out. Yeah, I mean, even if even if Accolade still comes out, you know, mid-summer, I think that's still spaced out well enough, like between now and that time, and then from that time into uh when skeleton crew is coming out. I mean, regardless, there's gonna be a decent chunk of time in between them. I hope it's earlier next year, you know, if it's like late, you know, late winter, early spring, whatever, I would not complain about that but um it seems like like my guess would be it's going to be a little bit longer than that but we'll see hopefully it hopefully it at least won't be too far into the year that we get an announcement of a uh, a release date and a first trailer or something like that in fact if they really are wanting to go big with the marketing and um you know kind of hype these up to be like big events that you have to subscribe and tune in for um you know maybe we'll get an accolade trailer during the super bowl or something like that so um yeah i would imagine we'll we'll start getting our, our first glimpses of that stuff here pretty okay, soon this, and then this is this is a dumb question uh this is maybe someone can look this up on my i don't have my my access to the internet right now the free fingertips when does this who has a super bowl this year which which network because if abc oh, has I have it no idea if ABC, because I don't think, because I think NBC had it last year. I, I'm pretty sure ABC might be coming up on it because if that's the case, I can almost. I just I can looked it up and it's CBS. Oh, never mind. Oh, okay. Disregard. I disregard what I just said. <laughs> and it will live stream on Paramount Plus, not Disney Plus. <laughs> hmm. I mean, you know, everybody still wants their you know eyeballs on their trailers no no you, but you don't but you know what i'm saying though like i i i thought maybe that might have actually given more even more incentive to like incorporate that stuff in there but yeah because it's you know the synergy and whatnot because that does that does help but if that's not the case i'm like eh, well we'll see yeah then again i feel like every year we get our hopes up that like oh the super bowl there's going to be some big new star wars trailer and there never is so um Except for Solo, where it was like the first time that we saw anything like three months before the movie came out. Um, so, yeah, who knows? Um, but all that to say, you know, even with, um, you know, stuff being delayed, stuff being spaced out, you know, there still should be a decent amount of, of good Star Wars content next year um, with the Acolyte and Skeleton crew with at least Bad Batch, if not also uh, Tales of the Jedi Season 2. 
Um, and then, of course, we've also got the video game Star Wars Outlaws. Um, now, speaking of Star Wars video games, we also haven't talked about all the, the drama around the Knights of the Old Republic remake and that being dead and then not dead. And, you know, who knows if that'll ever see the light of day. Um, but we don't need to go into all that. I could go on a whole separate podcast about how it shouldn't take it shouldn't be this hard to you know do a an hd remaster or remake of one of the you know most beloved video games of all time but um you know cool to you know that we'll at least have another big star wars game coming out next year as well and uh you know even if we're getting a little bit less content than what we've been used to the past couple of years like again as long as the quality is good and you know they build up the excitement for these things and hopefully get to uh you know, do some big press and marketing and stuff, unlike they were able to do for Ahsoka, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, hopefully there'll be uh, some some big fun hype around this stuff and it'll be a good time. Yeah. To quote Obi-Wan in A New Hope, it'll be enough <laughs> for George. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much everything we wanted to hit on for this episode. Just kind of, you know, get back into it and uh, recap some of the recent news and stuff. Um, just good to be back talking Star Wars with you guys again. And we're going to try to, you know, get back into our regular flow a little bit more. I think we're going to record again in a couple weeks and do just one final episode for this year and do, um, just kind of a 2023 year in review. Cause obviously we had a ton of big Star Wars stuff this year, um, with, you know, shows and animated series and video games and all kinds of stuff. So we'll kind of do a 2023 year in review and maybe talk a little bit more about what we're looking forward to next year. Um, and then, you know, again, until we start getting some release dates and trailers and stuff for, for 2024, we don't really know when we're going to have the next big thing to talk about. Um, so for the beginning of the year, we might start off just doing some more kind of fun topic based episodes. And, you know, we've already talked about doing like some top five lists and stuff. We like doing those or, um, you know, maybe do episodes talking about certain, you know, doing a deep dive on a certain movie or a certain character arc or theme, or maybe get into some more books and comics and stuff like that. So if you guys have any ideas um, for stuff you'd want to hear us talk about, you know, we're open to suggestions, but, uh, you know, we'll just have some fun kind of maybe a little bit less structured Star Wars discussions um, at the beginning of the new year and then start getting excited for uh, some more of this new stuff that we're going to see. So, um and if you want to reach out to us with suggestions or questions or comments or anything, the best way to reach out to us is on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Uh, we're also on Facebook and you can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com. And you can check out our website at Star Wars um, So we'd love to hear from you guys. We always appreciate your support and your comments and questions and stuff. So uh, look forward to, uh, you know, continuing to interact with you guys and talk Star Wars with you heading into the new year. Um, but it's been good to be back with you for this one. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's it for now. Thanks for listening. We will see you guys next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Godspeed, Rebels!